Christ. And how odd it must seem to a world that has other things on their minds today. Easter egg hunts and spiral hams and uh, getting together with family and maybe going out on the lake or you know, doing this or doing that. And how odd it must seem to some to, to, to gather in a darkened room and sing about blood. You know, just how odd it must seem to some people. And yet Scripture says that we're peculiar. So just let me say this to you. Own it. Just own it. You're peculiar. Just own it and be okay with it. Uh, maybe at one point in your life you thought, I don't want anybody calling me odd or strange or different or peculiar. But they wouldn't be the first ones to do it. That's what Scripture says we are. We're a peculiar people. We are strangers. We're aliens. We're not meant to be here. But we are here, and we're here this morning, and what has brought us here is Jesus Christ. Let's just say the name together. One, two, three. Jesus Christ. And that is a name that rolls off the lips so easily. And I think it starts in the heart and just comes on up and then rolls out of your mouth. Uh, just like the stone was rolled away, just with some kind, of, some kind of supernatural power. Because there's something different about Jesus. There was something different from him from the very be- about Him from the very beginning. Uh, he was prophesied hundreds of years before, before he was born. His whole life, we really knew about it even before he was born. What would happen, how it would end, it was prophesied. And we talked about that so much in the past several weeks, the past five weeks or so. And I think still that's one of the most amazing things. Uh, the fact that his life was prophesied and that people knew about it. And you know, it's almost like, it's almost like when you hear, uh, you need to go the speed limit or you're going to get a ticket. And you're driving down the road and before you know it, the cop's pulling you over because, oh yeah, somebody told me not to speed or I'd get a ticket and here I am getting a ticket. You know, it's kind of like that. People were told about the Messiah in Scripture. And they were told that He was coming and they were told that He would go through what He went through and that He would die. And still, it caught people off guard, didn't it? It caught people off guard. I think much like when we came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, maybe when we got saved, maybe we got saved on a Sunday after a church service and we just came to church because so-and-so invited us. Or we came to church because, well, you know, I've been coming to church and I've been enjoying myself and I think I'll just go back. And the Holy Spirit started dealing with our heart and we began to hear truth from the Word of God and it pierced through all the confusion and the misunderstanding that we had lived through all of our lives and we heard this story of hope of a man who lived thousands of years ago and he knew what my plight would be. He knew what my struggle would be. He was familiar with my suffering. And so he laid down his life on a cross for me so that my sin could be forgiven, that I could live in freedom and that I could know that I'm going to heaven and that I have a hope for a great future. And so it was like getting that ticket unexpectedly. I didn't expect to get saved today, but I did and it changed everything. I don't know if that is what your situation was. Maybe the Lord had dealt with you for a long time 
and you'd heard the truth and you just had just been hesitant to respond to it. But then that one day you realized I need to do it now. I need to do it today. I feel such a draw, such a pull. I think it's what they call the Holy Spirit working on my heart and I want to be saved. I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I want to have the joy and the peace that the people around me have because I don't have it. And I want it. And His invitation, when in that moment, His invitation is come. Come unto me. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And rest is what we want. Don't we long for rest? I long for rest. I I came here this morning tired and cranky. (laughs) And I think some of you experienced that. And again, I apologize for that. But I was cranky this morning. And, And you know, I have to be honest, driving here, I'm thinking I can rest this afternoon a little bit. Uh, we don't come back to church tonight. I can get a little bit of extra sleep. And the funny thing is, I probably won't do that. We're weird that way. But we long for rest and not just physical rest, but sometimes the burdens of life are so much. We have things we have to take care of. We're responsible for things. We have reached a point in our lives where maybe we have children and we're trying to take care of the kids and all their needs. And then we may have grown up children and maybe they're struggling and we're, we're trying to help them and trying to guide them at a time in their lives when they're like, I don't need your help, mom. I don't need your help, dad. I'm a grown up now and I can make my own decisions. And in your head, you're thinking, that's the problem. You're making your own decisions. You're not letting me make your decisions for you. But we have struggles and we, walk, we don't know where to turn sometimes. But for the Christian, what we hopefully realize uh, in those moments, and hopefully even before that, is that we have, we have somebody with us who promised that He would never leave us and He would never forsake us. Because there was a day when we said, Lord, save me. Lord, I need You. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me different. Make me new. And give me this hope that I see and hear about around me. And, and even, even after that day, when, when life comes in at us full force and we're, we're struggling through this situation and that situation, and you know, sometimes we have that thought, my problems are bigger than anybody else's. And even as Christians, I've said this before, sometimes we think my problem is too big for even God. I don't even know what God would do with this. But... Doesn't Scripture say that He is able to do far above and beyond anything that we would expect? And I can't tell you the times looking back in my life how He has shown Himself to be faithful in in situations that seemed helpless and situations that seemed hopeless. He was there. He didn't show up. He didn't just, bam, show up. He was already there because He said He was with me. And He would never leave me. And He would never forsake me. And in those moments, I tried to carry it all myself and I tried to do it all myself. And then I realized I don't have to. And I'm able to turn things over. It's not a weak thing to do this. It's not not a, uh, oh, come on word. It's not a, well, I'm not going to come up with it, so I'm just going to say what I'm thinking. It's not an easy way out for us. But it is what He told us to do. Lord, here's my problems. 
These are my problems and I need you to take them. I'm, I'm struggling in this area. I'm concerned about this. My children are doing this. My finances are doing this. And sometimes in all that I'm going through, I forget how powerful you are. I forget that you're the one that rose from the dead. You're the one that was dead and rose again. And let's take it further back. I forget that you're the one that created everything. So you can take care of me in this situation. And I can hand it over to him and I can trust him to help me through it. Sometimes he does it just like I thought he would. And I'm like, yes, God. And then sometimes he does it in a different way. And I'm like, whoa, God, what are you doing? I don't, this is a little uncomfortable for me. But he works it out because scripture also says that he is working things out for our good. And he's doing it. And we may not even see it in the moment, but later down the road, we will. And I'm all over the place and I haven't said not one thing that I've got in my notes here today except the name of Jesus. And he rose again. So I'm going to go as, as far as I can this morning because I want to talk about that day and the things that happened because I want us to walk away from here today being able to tell somebody this is what happened on the day that Jesus rose again. These are the things that you may not have heard about. These are the things that he did to prove to people that he was alive. Even the people who saw him die. The people who saw the spear shoved into his side and the pericardial, whatever kind of fluid, came coming out and he, they knew he was dead. And they put him in the grave and they rolled that big heavy stone. But he, but he rose again. And why are they surprised? Why are we surprised? Because he said that he would. Scripture had told us to expect it. Scripture had told us to look for it. And you know what else Scripture tells us to expect and what to look for? He's coming back. Huh? He's coming back. And we got to be ready. And how do you get ready? Well, you, you have to know that you're saved. You have to know that you've accepted Christ into your heart. I've heard that before. William, I've heard that before. We'll hear it again and respond to it this time because it hasn't changed and it will not change because the truth is the truth no matter what. Forever and ever and ever. And it doesn't change with the tide of culture and the, the movement of the, the feelings and the emotions and the leadership that's in the country doesn't change. Truth is the same always for all people. My truth is your truth. And your truth is my truth as long as it's his truth. It's got to be his. Why does, he get the, why does he get to decide what truth is? <clears throat> because he's God. And we are not. He is a holy God. And we are not God. But he has, he has adopted us as his children, those who have opened up their hearts and lives to him. We have been adopted. And we are joint heirs with Jesus. And we don't know what that, all that entails. But you know, it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds good. And we're told that he has gone to prepare a place for us so that where he is, we can be there too. So that means that I've got a future. All of us, all of our young people, where am I going? What am I doing? What's my purpose? What direction do I go in? Move in the direction where you see Jesus. 
follow Jesus. Sing that old song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Let's, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 53. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this quickly. Um, I know it's, I know it's in, our, our, in our human makeup uh, and the way we're, and our genes and everything, to think at this moment, oh, how long is this gonna take? <laughs> Isn't that just naturally in us? It's not gonna take long, but I just wanna give you from the word what, what happened on that day. So, you know, we've been talking. We've been talking about the things that he went through, how he didn't try to defend himself when he was put before people who could decide his fate. He allowed them to say things about him that weren't true because he knew that he had to follow through with this. And we know that, that he was put to death on a cross for our sins, and he suffered for us. But we're also told... In Isaiah 53, which was written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, we also know that he was going to die, but that he was also going to rise again. So I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 53, trying to scan through my notes here very quickly. Let me just say that in Isaiah 53, there's 24 prophecies about Jesus that came true. There are some 50, close to 50 prophecies about, of death, about his death in Scripture that all came true. There were about 332 prophecies about his life that came true. They all came true. And listen to this, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 10 and 11. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. That took place on Good Friday. When thou shalt... When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. That was the crucifixion. He shall see his seed. That's us. He shall prolong his days. That's the resurrection. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant just justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. So, all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell the story about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And there are some differences within the four Gospels, but I want to read from the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to begin uh, in chapter 24 with verse number 1. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. So this is after the, the crucifixion of Jesus. He's been placed in the tomb. And the morning after, you've got some women going to the tomb to, to work with his body, to prepare his body. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Don't you think that when they were on their way to the tomb, they were thinking, how are we going to get that rock? How are we going to move that rock? That's a heavy rock. What are we going to do? How are we going to, how are we going to, how are we going to take care of that? Well, let's just go. Let's just go and see what happens. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found out the, and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, 
and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, this famous saying that we see and hear often, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you. There it is. Remember how he spake unto you? Remember how he, what he said unto you? When he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And here it is. And the third day rise again. Remember, you're not supposed to speed or you'll get a ticket. <laughs> Remember, the Lord must die, but on the third day he will rise again. Remember? And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. So several things we notice here and several other things that are in other Gospels that I want to kind of share with you. The first thing is we see that just before dawn, three women went to the tomb to finish dressing Jesus' body. Um, one Gospel mentions these women. Another Gospel mentions others, which leads us to believe that there were several women that went. And please don't be offended when I say this because this is the culture that... that uh, they were in at the time. But if, you know, a lot of people were wondering about this crucifixion that had heard about it, did it really happen? Could it be a possibility? Even those against Jesus knew that there had been talk about him rising again, so there had to be somebody guarding the tomb to make sure that somebody didn't come and take the body and make it look like he rose again. But that didn't happen. And so these women come back and they have a story to tell and, you know, something, something that, that I know about the women in my life is that they notice things that I miss. Sandy can point something out, and she sees it every single day, all day long, every day. And I'm looking at her, and I'm like, well, when did that get there? <laughs> you know, just perceptive. And these women saw and heard what happened, and they went back to relay the story. But did you know that in those times, you couldn't take what a woman said as evidence in a court of law because women weren't allowed? So if they were going to make up a story that they wanted people to believe, it seemed strange that they would use women to do it because, because unfortunately, women weren't allowed to, to, to speak up and say these types of things in court. So if they wanted somebody that... Uh, could tell a good story, spin a good tale, and make other people believe, it seems like they would have chosen someone else, which again underlines the validity of what we're reading and what we're hearing here. We read in Matthew that on the way to the tomb there was an earthquake. We didn't read that here, but Matthew mentions that. And earthquakes are uncommon in this part of the world. And we find the angels announced that Jesus had risen uh, and they appeared in the form of men, shining men. Matthew in his gospel tells us that one of the angels appeared like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. 
And then the women reported what they had seen and heard to the disciples. And on their way to report, Matthew tells us that they encountered Jesus in the flesh. And then Luke tells us that the disciples didn't believe their report. They didn't believe what the women had said. Even though they had been told not to speed her, they'd get a ticket. You know what I'm saying? Even though they had walked with the man, they had walked with Jesus, and, and they should have known that to expect and anticipate him to rise again. But they had seen him die. They had seen him die. They had seen him suffer. One of the most difficult things that I had to do when I entered the ministry was be alongside of people who are dying. And it is a hard thing to watch. I remember the first time I was there when that happened. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's a uh, very sad moment in, in a lot of ways. But you know what makes it special? And what makes it beautiful? Is you know that that person's last breath here means their first breath with Jesus. And, they, and especially, when, especially when you know this person is a Christian and they've been vocal about it and they've lived it and they've shared it with other people and they've, they've given their testimony about how Jesus saved them. And even in the, well, if they're able, because nowadays sometimes they're not able to speak because there's medication involved and things like that. But up to the point where they're not able to speak anymore, what they're talking about is being with Jesus. No more suffering, no more sorrow, no more pain. And as a, as a family member, you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, but I don't want you to go. I don't want you to go. But in the next moment, you're thinking, but I thank God that you know where you're going. Because when you're gone, I'll know where you are because of what the Word of God says. And mom, dad, whoever, the greatest gift that you have ever given me is letting me know that you're a child of God and you're going to heaven. And I don't have to worry about it. And see, I'm a child of God too, and what that means is that one day we're going to be together in heaven. And that's going to be great, but an even greater thing is we're going to be with the one who made it possible for both of us to be there. And He is the one that made it all possible because His crucifixion made a big difference in our lives. But I ask you this, what is the crucifixion without the resurrection? It's another death. It's a beautiful, sacrificial death. But give me the resurrection, new life and hope. And it is a great package deal. Amen. I feel compelled to just kind of go to the end of my message because there's so much that I want to share with you. And I encourage you to go through Luke 24. And when you have time, just study the different accounts of, of the resurrection and the things that happened and the things that took place. The fact that, that he showed himself to two disciples who were on their way down the Emmaus Road and they were talking about how sad they were about what had happened to Jesus because all their hopes had been attached to Jesus being 
the Messiah and the one that would get them out of their situation, and he was dead. And here comes Jesus walking along beside of them and said, what y'all, what, what y'all sad about? What's going on? And you would have thought they would have turned around and went, well, oh, Jesus. But they didn't know it was him. And so they're telling, they're telling Jesus, do you not know? Where have you been? Jesus died today. And if anybody knew, I mean, Jesus died the other day. And if anybody knew that Jesus died the other day, Jesus would know that Jesus died the other day. But he revealed himself to them. They, he, he began to talk to them about the scriptures. And as they got to their, their, where they were headed, they said, hey, stay with us. Come and eat with us. And so he went and ate with them. And, and he, he sat there and he talked with them. And, and while he was there with them, their eyes were opened and they realized who he was and that he was alive. And then he, he showed himself to his disciples. They were in a room and it was just them. And then all of a sudden, Jesus was there. And at no door had opened. He had just come right through the wall, according to, I think, John's gospel. He just walked through the, the wall, which gives us an idea of what our abilities may be when we have our glorified body. And he, and he had the wounds on his hands. He, he kept and retained the wounds so they could see, so they could touch so they could feel that it was him. And then he ate some fish. <laughs> I, would have, I would have probably chosen a steak and potatoes, uh, you know, after that ordeal. Maybe a, I don't know, maybe a deep dish pizza or some Mexican food. I don't know. But he ate some broiled fish and uh, some honeycomb. And, I'm, and not the cereal. It was actual honeycomb, I guess. And, and he, because if you're a spirit, you can't eat because it'll, I mean, it'll go in and then it'll just fall right out. But he was showing them, I'm alive. I am alive. Now, can you imagine the, the, the emotions of going through all of that? And then here he is again. And they received, he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit, we're told in one of the gospels. So many things that happened on that day from that, from that morning to that evening. All in an effort to, I guess, remind them, this is what I said would happen. It has happened. And I'm here and I am alive. And he would go on in the days ahead to tell them what their responsibilities would be. And he would send them out. And in doing that, and doing what he did in, in all of these instances, what he was showing them is you can, you can take my word and realize it's the truth and it's going to happen. You can take the word of God and if it says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If the word of God says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will be saved. If it says that he is coming to take us home again, one day, then it's going to happen. If it says that in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars, it's going to happen. If God said it, it's going to happen. And don't we need that? Don't we need somebody to say what's the truth that we can believe and expect it to happen? As Christians, are we expectant every day for God to work and move and live and breathe 
in and through us because He has given us that opportunity and that responsibility. Everything He said, everything that was prophesied, rather, about Jesus came true. So I guess that if all of that was true, then the rest of it is too. He's put it in the bank, right? Count on it. So here's what we get because of the resurrection. Again, this was the greatest day in human history. Contrary to what some of you may think, it wasn't the day that you were born. The greatest day in human history is when Jesus rose again. And that's why it's such a big deal. That's why we sing so much about it. That's why you hear He's alive and He is risen and Sunday's coming. I mean, that's why you hear that because it's such a big deal to those who know what it means. So the resurrection is, wow. Again, without the resurrection, what did the, what did the crucifixion accomplish? This is what the resurrection did. I'm going to give you several things and then we're going to be done. It demonstrated God's power. We have seen God's power demonstrated all throughout Scripture. He create creation. Awesome. The power of God. So many instances in the Old Testament. So many instances in the New Testament. The raising of Jesus' friend Lazarus. But even more so, his, the resurrection of Jesus Christ demonstrated the power of God. We've said this many times, but it also fulfilled prophecy for him to rise again because it had been prophesied. Something else that the resurrection does is it cures us of our fear of death. Think about it. This is what he did. He shared in our humanity to free us from the slavery of the fear of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The resurrection saves us. It's not just the cross. The cross does away with our old selves. We're crucified. But his resurrection gives us a new self, a new life. As children of God, we are children of the resurrection. We are reconciled by the death of Christ, saved by his life. That's what the resurrection does. It raises us up as children of God. We are the children of God. This is what we're told that happens to us when we're saved. He spiritually raises us up in the newness of life. We are born of God. We have Christ living in us. The hope of glory is Christ in me. The hope of glory is Christ in me. The resurrection allows us to have what we would call a resurrection heart. Ezekiel in the Old Testament talks about this. Romans says, Romans says that we have become obedient from the heart. This is part of our identity. We used to have a wicked heart, but now we have a new obedient heart. Everything has changed. Because we are no longer slaves to sin, we are slaves to righteousness. And even though we still sin and we still make mistakes, we have a resurrection heart. We have a new heart. It brought about, the resurrection brought about the new way of grace. 
because we, have de- we are dead to the law and we have been joined to another. We've been joined to the one that was raised. We've been joined to the risen Christ. We are joined with him. It takes us, the resurrection, takes us out of our sins. Out of our sins. Without the resurrection, we're still dead in our sin, according to Paul. Without the resurrection, we're still dead in our sin. But because of the resurrection, he remembers our sin no more. Let that sink in. He remembers our sin no more. And he is not dealing with us on the basis of our sins. And this is grace and this is freedom. He is dealing with us on the basis of our Savior and what Christ has done. And it is finished. And we are forgiven. It seats us in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 says that He raised us up and seated us with God. We are close to God as, as Christians. We are close to God. We can't get any closer to God. He's inside of us. How much closer could we get? He is, he is here. And, and once He's here, what was His promise? I'll never leave. I'll never forsake. I will always be there with you. And we like to say, oh, I need to get closer to God. I think what we need to say is I need to realize how close God and I are because I'm acting like we're so far away, but we're, we're together. He's in me. He's in me forever. So I just need to realize what has already happened and live in that truth and appropriate that in the way that I live my life. We are very, very close. And this is what I want to finish with. And I alluded to this earlier. The resurrection gives us the opportunity to have a relationship with the resurrected Christ. Jesus Christ wanted you. He wanted relationship with you. He wanted me. He wanted relationship with me. And that's why He joined us to Himself. And this is what I love to say. He gave us His life. Excuse me. He gave His life. And then He gave us His life. And now He lives through us His life. He gave His life for us. Then He gave His life to us. Now He lives His life through us. What a plan. What a plan. (laughs) But William this, but William that. But, 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 but. We can come up with all the excuses we want to. But you said the Word of God was the truth, so we have to go back to what the Word of God says. And these are the things that the Word of God says happens to a child who is born again, the one who has given their life to Jesus Christ. So every excuse is eradicated. Everything that we could come up with to try to convince God not to save us or not to allow us into His family, He has taken care of on the cross. Do you understand that? There is no excuse, just your choice to reject it. And I'm going to tell you, from somebody who's been saved since I was uh, nine, and I will be 55 very soon. And my life in Christ has just gotten better and better and better. Now, I've struggled 
with a lot of things in my life. And because I'm your pastor, you have, you've seen a lot of my struggles. I struggled some this morning. You've seen my struggles. You've seen my health struggles. You've seen some of my spiritual struggles. But you know, through all of that, he's been right there. Because he said, I want relationship with you, William. Because I know I can help you. I know what you need. I want to give it to you. And I went ahead and, and paid for everything a long time ago. So it's already paid for. So all you have to do is accept the gift that I'm offering to you. And William and everybody else could come up with all sorts of excuses. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll wait till next week. Well, I'm just going to wait until I get my life in a little bit better shape than it's in right now. I feel like I need to start tithing before I get saved. I feel like I need to do this. I feel like I need to do that. But Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Think about the thief on the cross. Randy and I had a conversation about this before service. Think about the thief on the cross again. He started off railing Jesus like the other thief did. And then at some point he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're getting what we deserve. He has done nothing. And so we told the other guy, he said, shut your mouth <laughs> because we're getting what we deserve, but he doesn't deserve what he's getting. And then he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said, you will, today you will be with me in paradise. So he didn't have time to learn the doctrines of the Baptist church. He didn't have time to get baptized. He didn't have time to uh, do a 40-day fast or get his box of tithing envelopes. He didn't have a chance to do any of that because he was on his way out. He was dying. And I shared this with you several weeks ago because I saw this not on TikTok, but on, on a Facebook video. Imagine when he got to heaven and the angel said, well, you don't know anything about the church or, or following Christ. What are you doing here? And he said, well, the man on the cross said I could come. There it is. You can come. You can come. You can come. It doesn't matter what you've been through, what you've done, what you're doing right now. Come to Him. All ye who are weary and heavy laden. That means all of you who are underneath a burden of struggle and trouble and stress and worry and guilt and shame. Come unto Him. And He will give you what? Say it again. Say it like you love it. Rest. Amen. Let's all stand. I want you to bow your heads.